your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that has a bad feeling about this Brought to you by BBC Sports open air quote Personality close air quote of the year I'm happy to win which at the end of the day was down to hard work, being a team player, family, respect, being humble. If you're not, I mean, peace. <laughs> Spot on. Wow. Um, we're here for TV... TV? Fucked it already. Um, <laughs> films, episode 20. First one to reach episode 20. Wow. Um, yeah, obviously we're going to be talking about films. I'm here with the usual cast of um, Alex Wayne... Hello there. Um, films expert, Dave Peeling. Hello. And special guest today, all the way from Dromfield, which is kind of near Sheffield, and it's got field in the name. <laughs> um, he wants to be referred to as Jimmy B. <laughs> yeah, hi guys. <laughs> My name's Jimmy B. <laughs> it's not, but it'll do. You don't sound as street as I'd hoped, but well done. Well done. Um, yeah, we've, we're missing Michael Johnson. What's he doing today? He's not he's, I think going he, on about the plastic bag charge again, is he? Um, I, he's, he's involved in some protest. Um, I believe he's just yeah. very hungover and busy, um, which is a shame because both two of the films we're talking about today he has very strong opinions on, but you can, you can always bring them up next time. Maybe you could bring them up for him, well, using <laughs> Michael Johnson words like lubricious. I actually am going to quote him in one of my reviews, so... Um, yeah. Oh, spot on. You're going to hear what he has to say. Right. How, how is everyone? Is everyone all right, Al? Have you been watching lots of films? You yeah, clearly abs- have. Shit loads. Um, I've got nothing better to do with my time. Um, clearly, yeah. Your, your list on WhatsApp was pretty extensive. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, if in doubt, I just go to the cinema. Um, yeah, I've seen lots <laughs> and um, generally pretty high standard as well, and I've got um, pretty strong opinions on them. Um, I've seen. I believe I've seen all of the films that we're going to talk about today. However, I'm not sure about a certain mystery review that we're going to be getting later. So, we'll see. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Only Jim's seen that film. He's got special access. Um, Dave, have you been watching lots of films, or just generally having a good time? Um, or both. I have. I've literally seen all the films that I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> I should hope that's so. important. Yeah, <laughs> not just the trailer like last week, <laughs> where you spent fifteen minutes reviewing the trailer. Well, having seen the trailer for Dunkirk, I feel like I can now talk exclusively about everything that happens in the film Dunkirk. That, that's due for that release was a in good July. Trailer oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Not to say it's not, but yeah, not to say I'm not extremely excited for the movie, and I'm sure it'll be very good. But I also feel like I know how it's going to end. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I saw yeah. some. Uh, Tweets going around from some Harry Styles fans, my favourite of which was, What's a Dunkirk? <laughs> <laughs> I feel oh, that they're going to get brand. an audience for that film that isn't really well suited to its subject matter, but we'll see. People who just want to go and see Tom Hardy. Well, no. <laughs> they're going to see Harry Styles minus his, uh, his standard haircut and wonder what's happening here. Oh, is he, is he in it? I had no idea. Oh, did you completely miss that? Right. Because it's minus it. Because it's minus his haircut, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, he's, that, he's in the trailer. That joke will make. Yeah, that joke makes more sense if you knew that Harry, Harry Styles is actually. In. <laughs> I just thought 
thought you were just randomly bringing him in. <laughs> Who does he play? A soldier, I'm guessing. Um, that's a soldier what... of some sort. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure is how he, a he big role or cameo. Um, I don't know. Well, he makes the trailer, so I'm assuming he's a fairly significant role. I think, yeah, more than a cameo, I'd guess, if it's been announced like this. Yeah, I mean, um, okay. Yeah, maybe he's trying to. I mean, he's used David Bowie before for the Prestige, so you know, two great musicians, uh, <laughs> obviously. Oh, and the same, absolutely the same caliber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no yeah, questions David there. Harry Styles. Fans will just have to listen into this podcast in um, July 2017 and find out the answer. Wow, good plug, good plug. <laughs> but don't turn this one off and wait that long. Like, this, this yeah, one's no. still good. <laughs> please don't, please don't. Um, right, Jim, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, yeah, pretty good. This is, this is my first podcast, actually, we, so I don't, you know, I don't really know... I didn't really know what a podcast was. I don't really get out much. not know how to podcast. Uh, but uh, so far, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying it, guys. So, it's a, I, From what I gather, it's a movie-based podcast, so we talk about movies. <laughs> I'm glad you've got it. Uh, yeah, I mean... I've gauged really, that talk, so far. I mean, it's mainly a load of bollocks with um, <laughs> some you know, half-assed opinions, ill-researched... Uh, badly, <laughs> badly concluded. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to say you're already doing better than we've ever done. So, and then there's Clive's and mine reviews as well. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> yeah, but it is a movies podcast. Good to have you here. Me and Jim were out drinking, and um, I was supposed to be coming back for this, and he thought he'd join us. I thought, why not? Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm a little bit, little bit sleepy. Uh, I could do with a nap, but. Uh, Podcast action. Let's get on with it. Uh, so, what's the first movie we, we're going to we're going to review? Well, that's uh, that's my job. I'm going to pass it on to Al. <laughs> yeah, well, that was passive aggressive. There's a hierarchy. I see. We could co-host if you like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Al, do you want to start us off? Because I'm, I'm intrigued about this Michael Johnson quote. Right. Okay. Well, do you, want, do you want me to start with that one then? I will do. Okay. Well, you don't have to. Right. No, like you, you've set you've set me off there. So I'm going to start with uh, talking about <laughs> the birth of a nation. Um, it's a recent release, last week, I believe. Although it has been in circulation at film festivals for quite a while. Uh, if you're not aware of it, it's directed and co-written by Nate Parker, uh, starring Nate Parker, Army Hammer, uh, Aja, Naomi King, and Jackie Earl Haley. Some of which you'll know, some of which you won't. Um, basic plot, it's based on the True to Life uh, Slave Rebellion uh, from 1831 by the preacher slave Nat Turner. He's a slave who's brought up to read and preach the Bible from an early age as a way of suppressing slaves and um, getting them to be generally more compliant. Um, Nat slowly, slowly understands the true horror and injustice of the slavery, um, he's basically helping to keep in place, leading to a very bloody rebellion. Um, first of all, I, Michael Johnson likes this a lot more than I do. I'm going to say that right away. Right. But I don't dislike it. Um, I would suggest, Does that often happen, or do you, is it often um, the other way around? We've had some prof- is it just equal? There is another film we're going to talk about later, um, which, again, Michael Johnson quite profoundly disagrees with me. Um, I didn't... I didn't dislike this. I would say this is an important but profoundly flawed film, um, beset with controversy that probably shouldn't be relevant, uh, but becomes so because of one creative decision, which I'm going to bring up later on. I suspect I know what it might be. Not that yeah, I've seen I, it, but I've yeah. heard something. If you've heard anything about this film, you're probably aware of it. Um, 
I mean, the film works in a lot of respects. Um, it certainly inspires a great deal of fury and bloodlust in the audience. Um, you're going to be watching it and you're going to be wanting this rebellion to be swift and brutal. But the f- And the film really works by c- telling an untold story. I mean, I, w- I wasn't aware of this and it's... I would suggest it's quite an, quite an important piece of sort of fairly modern American history, um, and probably probably more relevant than it ever has been. Um, and I would say it definitely has a certain elegance to the way that it's shot at times, and it's co- commendably unflinching. And some people have suggested that the violence is gratuitous, um, but I I feel that's fairly irrelevant in a, a film like this. I think it's warts and all, or it's not at all for me. Um, the, it falls down basically by simply not being a good enough film, um, especially you know in relation to such an important story. Um, the performances in general lack depth, while the film itself inspires anger and um, brings a certain fury to the audience. I didn't see it reflected in the performances adequately enough. Certainly, I felt that there wasn't any, there wasn't enough sorrow, there wasn't enough pain, and I felt that was fairly, you know, universal across the board. Um, the direction is fairly pedestrian, taking quite a formulaic approach, uh, not really daring to do anything distinctive, and um, often looking quite televisual, which actually is a criticism that um, becomes less and less, less and less correct, really, because television is often looking so cinematic. But um, the creative decision to include certain dream sequences of Af- African ritual and Western Christianity are very jarring and contradictory and um, palatably overcooked. Uh, There's one particular scene, which is a mild spoiler, where um, Nat Turner hallucinates his dead wife um, as an angel, but literally as an angel, a winged angel. And it looks like something out of a Muller yoghurt advert. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Muller yoghurt adverts are great, though. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm as great as an advert, but, you know, when you're telling a... A fraught emotional story, not so great. Um, I think most of all, though, it suffers in comparison to other recent efforts um, about slavery, and there's there's been a lot of them, but most most particularly Twelve Years a Slave, which is a masterpiece. Um, while Twelve Years a Slave is certainly more poetic in nature, um, it inspires just as much fury, but with far greater emotional depth, more flair and direction, better performances, and a much more striking visual quality. Um, Michael did like this a lot more than me. We've, we've discussed this quite a lot, and it is a shame he's not here to defend it, but I think one quote for, from him summed it up exactly what I thought. Nail on the head. Maybe it's more important than it is good. Um, I think that this film will have its place in film history without being an excellent work of film. I mean, the whole title, The Birth of a Nation, is a play upon a very famous um, piece of cinema history called Birth of a Nation, which um, was commended by Thomas Jefferson, I believe, um, at the White House. And it, it's, it was seen as a cinematic breakthrough in terms of technique, but was also vile and racist at the same time. And this film, obviously, ironically, kind of reclaimed it in such a way that um, modern African-Americans reclaim the N-word. To mention the controversy that we mentioned earlier, uh, if you're not aware, Parker and... Uh, co-writer John uh, Mijani Celestin uh, were previously accused of rape while at college, leading to the suicide of the victim. Uh, Parker himself was acquitted, but Celestin was convicted, uh, later having his conviction quashed at retrial because the victim didn't want to uh, testify again. Um, Now, I think you can, in a lot of respects, separate art and artist. 
And I think it's important to do so quite often. Certainly there's lots of examples throughout history, but the one problem is a certain creative decision that's made in this film. Uh, the Birth of a Nation invents a rape scene as a catalyst for Turner to rebel. Um, spoiler alert, sorry there. But um, Now, that's an error of judgment, particularly considering uh, this accusation against them. Um, now, I know a lot of people wouldn't have seen it regardless, based on their past, but um, that strikes me as particularly stupid. So, I mean, all in all, I, I would say it's, it's a fairly good, fairly good film, but it's nowhere near good enough for what it wants to be. And, like Michael Johnson said, more important than it is impressive. Okay. Has anyone so else seen there's this? our Michael Johnson quote. Yeah. Has anyone else seen this at all, or have any interest in it? I've not. I'm, I I was interested in it, but I heard um, it was yeah. The the rape scene was the thing I heard negative things about, and I heard it portrayed. It very much looked at the effect of rape on the man of. Uh, I think I'd, I mean I don't really know, know the story, but like the husband, or of the woman, or the partner of the woman, yeah, as opposed term, yeah. to the effect on the actual woman, which um, the yeah. person that I heard reviewing it didn't really like, and to me seemed a bit weird because it's obviously going to affect the woman more than it is. Somebody wasn't actually necessarily involved in it. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 but, um, it's, it's seen as the catalyst for him. Um, yeah, which so certainly, according to all research, he makes no mention of even having a wife um, in any of his writings. Mm. Um, certainly, I felt that the the entire spiritual Christian element of it. Obviously, it's quite important. He's a preacher, but it was completely overcooked, and it was, um, I don't know, it, it bordered on being a faith film, but was contradictory at the same time it was very confusing um yeah i was disappointed by this but like i said i still think it's pretty important but i wonder Mm. how good it could have been had say steve mcqueen who did 12 years of slave slave made it had you know chueta legia four starred in this rather than nate parker uh not that i'd want to see them do another uh, film about slavery you know they've, they've they've done that they've nailed it but um yeah yeah disappointing i would say and did you watch have you watched this dave or have you Read uh, much about it. <coughs> no, I've not watched it. No, I've not seen too much about it actually. No. Did it? Um, so I heard as well that it could bring. Um, it's quite like an, an emotional experience to watch and such, and brought you know was quite powerful in its way, but was still very flawed. So um, despite well, I don't know, it's sort of it's bringing emotions. You realise it's flawed, but you're still <laughs> feeling. It's not like nothing's having an effect on you. Oh no, no. I mean, but it, you realise it, it's it inspires fury. I think that's the right, yeah. the right word for it. But it doesn't. It in, the actions in the film inspire fury in the audience, but that fury isn't, I would say, adequately reflected in the performances. Now, I know the characters are rebelling and they're, you know, they're killing the slave masters, which you could say, well, there's your reaction. But to me, in terms of the emotional response from them, it really wasn't good enough. Um, mm. To move to our special guest, Jim, have you, have you seen this or have you heard anything about it? Um if it's not on uh, Netflix uh, or, or Amazon, then I'm, I'm, sadly no. Uh, I've, I've not been to the I've not been to the cinema in about seven years. So, uh, well, you went to see Mad um, Ma- you went to see Mad Max with us. I went to see Mad Max with you. I, I, I stand corrected. That, was, that was a year ago. ago. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I've not. Um, you know, I've seen other films uh, based on slavery, which I could talk about. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's quite a sensitive subject and quite difficult to do. Um, to do well, uh, so I think it's probably an easy subject to stir emotion in someone, but hard to do it. Yeah, it'll be hard, it'll be very difficult not to stir an emotion in someone to do a film about slavery, but it's hard to do it, like Jim says, well, like as well as Twelve Years a Slave did. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know literally nothing about the film. Is, is, it, is it a kind of big Hollywood, big budget kind of no, movie? No, it's, it's, it's quite independent, but it's got quite a lot of attention. Right. It, was, uh, it won an award. Uh, I can't remember which festival it was. And it's, it's actually the, um, I believe it was the uh, richest bid, uh, sorry, the highest bid ever made on an independent film. Was, it was bought for $17.5 million, which is a lot for a film like this. Um, so it was quite hyped up, but it's it's flopped massively. Um, more to more to do with um, the controversy surrounding uh, not the, not so much the rape scene, but although that is my problem, but more to do with the fact that the the makers have been accused of rape before. Um, it yeah, it's I don't know, it's it, it's a passion project, but I feel it, it probably needed better filmmakers to make it really. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah well, it sounds yeah, that more or less sounds like what. I've heard generally, and I would like to see it to form my own opinion. Yeah, it, it's not, it, it, it's not worth, top of the list. <laughs> it's certainly worth seeing, as I said, like I've said it about five times now, but more important than it is good. Certainly, cool. I'd be, I think next time when we have Michael on the pod, uh, we should give him at least five minutes to put forward his defence. I mean, I don't like, I don't think he thinks it's a masterpiece, but I think he certainly sees more value to it than I did. But uh, yeah, we'll see. sure, cool. And no, that'll be interesting to hear, right? Let's uh, move on to Dave then, down in London. Thank you very much. So, uh, as I was saying, I've not seen a great deal of movies um, since we last spoke. However, um, the two I'm going to talk about today are probably the largest scale releases in this uh, in this month's pod. Um, well, the first I'm going to talk about it belongs to a fantasy franchise of enormous proportions that brings in millions for uh, giant corporations based in uh, Hollywood and that particular one would be um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them Um, so (laughs) this is a spin-off of um, the uh, spectacularly popular uh, Harry Potter franchise um, written by uh, J.K. Rowling in her first um, screenplay. This film is a uh, a prequel almost or a spin-off that takes place before the, the Harry Potter films um, set in New York as um, Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander um, takes a suitcase on holiday with hilarious results. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a carry-on film so far. <laughs> um, so the film is set in a nineteen uh, a 1920s New York and uh, Newt arrives by boat uh, in, in, uh, in New York on his en route to um, Arizona, I believe, um, where he encounters um, a... a where he encounters a muggle um, who uh, he accidentally exchanges um, suitcases with and leading to a large number of his magical beasts escaping into the city. As, as you can tell, it's a much more touching and dramatic piece than the one that Al was just talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, m- more socially important, no doubt. Um... But well, if if money equals social importance, then this is about 
uh, 180 times more socially important than what I'll just <laughs> I'll just talk about. Um, well, it's 2016, you know, that's the kind of year it is. <laughs> so this film stars, um, as I said, Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander. It stars, um, also stars uh, Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler, Alison Sudol, Ezra Miller, Samantha Morton, uh, Ron Perlman and Colin Farrell as uh, Colin Farrell as uh, Graves and there is also a cameo much later on in the movie from someone who remains a secret um, I, I I quite like this movie it wasn't anything um, it wasn't anything super special I enjoyed the setting of 1920s New York which is probably one of my top 10 times <laughs> and you should list your top 10 times at some point yeah, sure, yeah, I will do. Next time. Which is number 11. The That was a clever joke, I'm sorry. As <laughs> <laughs> um, I say, yeah, I, I enjoyed the setting and um, the look of the movie, which um, was beautiful, and um, the stylings of um, Newt Scamander's Magical Creatures I enjoyed quite a lot. I think Eddie Redmayne's performance is very much a Marmite one through this, where he is extremely Eddie Redmayne all the way through. He um, doesn't leave much off the screen. You know, he's, he's, it's um, quite a actory performance, shall we say. Uh, one that I enjoyed, but I know has left others cold, and you'll have to decide for yourself um, whether or not you liked it or whether or not you care to watch this movie, of course. Um, I thought Colin Farrell was somewhat underused in this movie as Graves, as the um, the kind of designated bad guy, and we could have seen more of uh, could have seen more of his work. Um, however, the the rest of the cast were um, did a did a did a pretty good job. I think the downside to this film was the um, was the writing, which seemed to be somewhat. Um, well, missing in lots of places. The, the the plot itself was was very very lightweight and was involved long scenes with very little uh, kind of addition to the story. I'm thinking in particular one where um, Newt climbs into his suitcase and feeds the animals in it, which could have been around ninety minutes shorter. This, I think, if you um, if you like the Harry Potter movies, I think you will enjoy this. If you liked the Harry Potter, the kind of the depth of the the interwoven plot lines and the mystery and the drama within the books, then you're going to be somewhat disappointed in this um, first outing as J.K. Rowling as a, as a screenwriter, as I say. Um, apparently this is going to be the first of six movies. It was originally announced as a trilogy, but I think that it's now going to be more than that. So um, if you're planning on getting into this, you're going to need to get into it now before it moves on past you. Um, so that's my that's my warning to you all. Um, so who else has seen who else has seen this movie? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Um... Yeah, largely agree with you. Um, thought it was entertaining enough, certainly past the time well. Um, f- you know, fairly polished, um, well-directed, you know, 
fairly interesting story um, without being spectacular. The only things I would have to say is, yeah, I was particularly impressed with Ezra Miller, actually, uh, who I think is a really good actor who <clears throat> I'm not sure I could stand to be in the company with. Having seen We Need to Talk About Kevin and uh, having seen him in this film, um, he seems to be able to create a sort of like sorrowful kind of insanity, which I find very, very unsettling. So Ezra, Ezra Miller, for those listening, sorry, was the... Um was the orphan child, wasn't he? He was yes. the um, yes, yeah, he was. Yeah, do apologise. Pale, yeah, awful. yeah, um, yeah. I I largely agree with your point on the fact that it lacks the intrigue of the Harry Potter movies, which were always kind of slightly detectivey, as well as being fantasy films um, and books. Um, but th- this is definitely going to pass the time pretty well. It's um, it's fairly funny in parts. Um, I don't have a great deal to say in it, really. I certainly don't see how they can stretch this to six movies, but there you go. You know, that's, I'm sure they're all going to make a shitload of money. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I think it, it felt a little bit kind of pitched at a younger, uh, a younger age, perhaps than the original you think? Harry Potter. I, I, I kind of got I, that. I don't know. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. See, I didn't get that. I, 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 I thought it was very much pitched at the kind of early twenties group who grew up with Harry Potter. I felt in general, while I can see what you mean about the creatures themselves being um, maybe a little bit, you know, infantilised, I'd say the rest of the plot was fairly dark, albeit without the intrigue of the original films. I do think the, the, I mean, I haven't seen the Harry Potter films for ages, but they kind of, did they kind of get darker as it went on? That's the impression I've got in my head. The first one's very, the older the actors got, the kind of, I don't know whether that was... Probably wasn't coincidental. That probably had an impact on it. But well, <laughs> the older the, the actors book, got, the, the darker got, it did. The books got much darker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, because I only ever read up to the fourth book because that was far too big. Snape kills Dumbledore. So, <laughs> yeah, the fourth book was like nine hundred pages. I was like, that is beyond my <laughs> page limit. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a hit. They're all going to be a hit, and. The you know the, this worst films I don't begrudge it its success it's not like another okay, Transformers cool. film but it's um, <laughs> yeah. I, I do you, I do want to see it but it's the kind of film yeah. I'll watch at home sometime when I'm like oh well oh this has come out on Netflix let's watch it kind of thing yeah absolutely I think this is <laughs> rather than yeah this is one that you'll probably see on at Christmas you know next year and probably for many years to come it's what going to be one of those I think it's going to be a bit of a family kind of. Uh, mm. a, re- a play- perfectly rewatchable film. It was it was entertaining enough. Um, yeah, you just there were just there were lots of areas where you you could definitely see uh, room for improvement, for sure. Particularly around the writing. Cool. Well, maybe it'll be interesting to see how it kind of develops if they are going to do six. Yeah. Whether uh, it gets also, more solid as it goes on. I can't I can't say who it is because it would be a spoiler. But there is a cameo late on of somebody who I assume is going to appear in later films. Uh, can yeah. I just say he's the most overrated actor of all time? But um, there you go. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Bam. And on that note, yeah, in the same film as Eddie Redmayne, that's pretty. That's pretty good guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Um, yeah, we'll move to Mr. Jimmy B. <laughs> What have you got to enlighten us with with this mystery film? Well, thank you. I, I mean, first of all, I, I don't quite understand why you've invited someone onto your little podcast who doesn't really watch films. Uh, seems like a, an, an, er- an error of judgment. But, <laughs> oh, um, this entire thing is You watch loads of films, you just don't go to the cinema. That's, I, that's the impression I got. I do. Like, I do live quite a lonely existence, so I do spend a lot of the time <laughs> in, 
at home. Um, I've subscribed recently to to the Amazon. Uh, <laughs> it's called the Amazon Prime, I think. And Jim's uh, quite old, by the way. I've <laughs> 31, 31 for your listeners. I'm 31. If I sound old, first older, first, first um, host we've had over 30, I believe. Not not for that's long. It's the best though. thing that's going for me. Not- uh, <laughs> In, in any case, um, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know if some of your listeners have this problem where you, you subscribe being over 30. To, 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 to being over 30. Well, that's, that's the problem A. <laughs> problem B is going on Netflix and Amazon Prime and you've realised that you've, you know, you've, you've, uh, you've parted with a seven or eight pounds uh, on a monthly basis, but you're kind of bombarded with so many films, many of which you've, you've not heard of. Um, and it's, it's kind of... Um, there's so many kind of B movies on there, uh, and 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 utter utter shit. Uh, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Uh, We've gone. Sure. Yeah. Frowned you upon. Um, it's definitely not frowned upon. <laughs> you know, the, the, there's a lot of mediocrity, um, and I I like lots of different films. I particularly like horror. Uh, films when I when I just want to kind of just numb the pain and and I was going through an Amazon <laughs> Prime the, the other day um, and a, a friend of mine recommended a film uh, which was actually pretty good because uh, I think out of every genre I think the, the the horror genre is the one that you could probably fairly reasonably say that it has got a large percentage of pr- pr- pretty terrible films and not in like a cool ironic way like Evil Dead. Um, <laughs> So uh, this film, I'm, I'm assuming it's an independent film. It's um, I, I googled it the other day. Coincidentally, it's got a pretty small budget. Um, it's called It Follows. I don't know if anyone's seen It Follows. We have or even yeah. heard of It we Follows. We have. Oh right, are we? we, are we uh, well, I have. About, I, I haven't. Speak but about I believe a different um, film. Al, no, did I, you speak I, about this? Or was it? I, I believe I may have done, but I am interested to hear a horror of same, same. take on okay. it. It will have been ages ago, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> And also, be I, interested in a different take. I mean, it's, is this meant to be a critique or? I mean, I, I, there, there just talk about how you like to talk the, about the, it. Yeah, there are many spoilers. No spoilers. But. Um, essentially, the premise of the film is, um, and you kind of launched into the film without really understanding w- w- what's going on. There's no context or, or, or preamble whatsoever. Uh, it's basically um, people who have uh, had sex with uh, somebody else. Um, that 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 they're passing on uh, this kind of um, this kind of curse, I suppose. So um, the, there's individuals who are, are being basically chased down by this entity. You don't really know what it is. It takes human form, but it can change its uh, its its appearance, um, and it only walks. It can't like get in in, in like a a cab or or fly anywhere, but it basically just walks uh, until it kills you. So when it gets like in the same room as you, then you, then you, then you're pretty fucked. Um, uh, and the idea is is that the only way you can kind of pass on this curse is by tricking somebody else to having sex with you. Uh, and then once you've done that, then this entity kind of uh, leaves you out and 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 goes on to um, the person you've had sex with. So ultimately, what, what what is created is this kind of line of people who've had sex with each other, and if uh, if you're unfortunate enough to get bumped off by this entity, then it then goes back down the line to the next person. Um, again, there's no context for this. There's no um, you know there's no explanation as to why this uh, why this happens. But I just thought it was a thoroughly enjoyable film. Uh, like the idea of just being tracked down by by something which is ultimately going to get you, and no matter where you go on the planet. It's going to eventually get to you by one means or another. Final destination-esque. Um, uh, a, a little bit, um, but better. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, 
but kind of not not utterly terrifying but just really good like good fun horror that doesn't take itself too seriously and there's no zombies in it which is a nice uh, welcome change so i mean that's pretty much all i've got to say clive about it but uh, for anyone out there who kind of likes horror and is kind of sick of just the the same idea being effectively just regurgitated um then at the very least this is a a fresh idea i don't think i've ever seen anything like it before um and it's a good 90 minutes of fun if you've got nothing better to do with your life so my endorsement i i would go and, I'd go is, and sign up to amazon and, and and watch that film i i'm not a fan of horror unlike you jim but i do want to watch this one because this and babadook which i really enjoyed did they both were they both from last year right am i getting yeah this? they were they both were yeah both they were both year, quite yeah. highly acclaimed weren't they in both horror yeah. films from last year have you seen Babadook? Uh, Bab- Bab- yeah, it's the uh, is it Australian or, or Kiwi? But uh, uh, yeah, fantastic. It, the book, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Ab- absolutely. I, fantastic. I really like the Babadook, yeah, but I've not seen um, it. Follows, but I keep meaning to watch it. I'm just too much of a wimp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not scary. Uh, you know, it's just kind of it's kind of silly, really. Um, but the, the the fact it's on such a, a tight budget uh, kind of adds to the. Um, uh, does it have quite a gamey soundtrack as well, from what I remember. It does, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know if, if if any of your other contributors, Clive, have anything to say about it. I know, I know. I think I don't know whether Dave's seen it. I'll, you've definitely seen it, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I thought, in, I agree, it wasn't particularly uh, frightening, but um, I felt that the, the entire cinematography, the way it was shot, was expertly done because you're constantly um, given these shots of a lot of people, a wide angle shot. And they're all walking at you know a slow pace, mm. and you're you're constantly kind of scanning the screen, trying to see, okay, which of these people is the creature, um, mm. and there's while there isn't any uh, you know immense sense of dread, there is there is certainly a kind of a very taut tension, um, and I thought the the whole politics of you know you can only pass this on by having sex was um, was fairly interesting. I mean, I, I never I can't remember exactly what I said in this, but. Um, I feel that there was. I feel that there's some discussion to be had there, um, and I think the film intends you to to have it. Um, but yeah, it's a nice. It's a nice inversion of that whole horror cliche. You know, if you have sex in a horror film, you're probably going to die, um, or 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 if you're black, you know, that's um, one or two. The inherent uh, the inherent racism or um, aversity to sex of the horror genre. But um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was a really really strong film, and I'm not. A huge horror fan. I, I like horror films that are inventive. Like you wouldn't catch me really watching slasher films, but Babadook, it follows um, even Scream back in the day, which is very you know kind of ironic. Um, yeah, loved it. Follows. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of you mentioned slasher films there. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not a massive horror fan. I like the classics, but what I liked about It Follows is that and Babadook as well is that it didn't. Um, it it wasn't relying on kind of uh, cheap scares you know really easy scares of kind of you know loud noise and uh an and image appears in front mm. of you yeah, uh, it's about setting an atmosphere uh, isn't it, it's it's yeah that that it just the whole film just plays on this idea of there's something after you and no matter where you go it's still going to be after you um and obviously that it's up for debate but there, there may be some kind of social commentary there on 
on on sex and intercourse. I, I don't really have the intellectual capacity to think on, on in those terms. <laughs> I but, I um, think you do, Jim. I'm, I'm enjoying your review. I think you do. <laughs> um, but but you know if if you're one of those people who's not who's not particularly into horror films. In their in their usual kind of uh, form, uh, I, I would say give, give it a go because it's uh, it's just good fun. I think at the end of the day, a film, uh, you know, you go to it to be entertained, and at the very least, yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a unique idea, um, and it certainly caught my attention. So uh, yeah, worth ninety minutes of your time. Excellent, that is good to hear, Jim. Good to hear. Um, yeah, one I want to check out, and you've just reminded me of it. It's on that list of films that I've been meaning to check out for ages. And keep getting reminded of and then forget again and then yeah I'll get round to it so it's not that scary not that I, I don't usually get particularly scared because I'm one of these people who often doesn't get I'm one of these people who sometimes struggles to see beyond the fact that it's a film if you know what I mean so sometimes I don't get as emotionally invested as I probably should in films hmm. and TV shows the same but <laughs> and that's probably the reason I don't get particularly scared but I've never yeah so that's probably why also cheap horrors don't have any. Because I know some people like cheap horrors just because they like... They just enjoy being jump-scared, I suppose. Yeah. They... Whereas that's not something I've, <laughs> I've ever enjoyed. Um, whereas, yeah, I enjoy the horrors more for if it's an interesting idea like The Babadook was. And the, it creates a good... Like, one of my favourite films of all time is Alien, which I'd consider a horror film. Um, and that just mm. sets a really good atmosphere, I think. And it's not, it's not really about... There's probably a jump-scare in the film. There is because uh, there's one particular bit where I always brick it. But uh, <laughs> but it's, in general, it just sets a really good atmosphere in the kind of music and the set design and everything around that, as opposed to the yeah, just coming up with cheap scares. Yeah, I, I think atmosphere is what you'll get in this film. If nothing else, you'll get atmosphere. It's all about the atmosphere. Cool. That is uh, good to hear. Um, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go bring it back to 2016, for all the way from 2015. And I'm going to talk about Arrival, um, which I went to see about a month ago with a good friend and fellow podcaster, uh, James Cable, as well as Beck. I think it was just us three. Um, this is a film directed by Denis Villeneuve. I'm going to pronounce it because that's how uh, the Formula One drive was pronounced. It's Denis Villeneuve, by the way. Oh, I did, Denis. I, yeah, I didn't realise right. this until quite recently. Denis, Denis. But, uh, apparently... Is that because it's the one, the one Denis, N? Does that make it Denis? Uh, um, yeah, either that or, or it just depends on where he's from, yeah. Well, he's French-Canadian, so um, oh, I don't okay. know. I don't know. Denis, Denis. So Denis Villeneuve. It stars Jeremy Renner, Amy Adams, and let me just crack up the Wikipedia page because there was someone else. <laughs> Forrest, Wiki- <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. I, I did that without cracking open the Wikipedia page, so that nice. is the kind of professional nice. man I am. Um, oh, no, get the Wikipedia. <laughs> and there was... Um, I want it, It's based on a book, which is what I'm trying to find. Uh, the entire the history of, of you, I believe. It's no. It's based on the 1998 story "Story of Your Life" by Ted oh. Chiang. No, what am I talking about? I'm talking about that's a Black Mirror episode. It doesn't matter. Yeah, what are you on about? Yeah. Let's talk about Black Mirror. <laughs> You're on the wrong. <laughs> Black Mirror is really good. You're on the yes, wrong spot. But yes, I've not. I've not seen any, but I've heard it's very good. Um, essentially, it's about, <laughs> as you might guess by the name, arrival, the arrival of some aliens. Um, but it's a very different take. Essentially, it follows. Um, a physicist and a linguist. Um, Jeremy Renner plays the physicist. Amy Adams plays the linguist, who are brought in by the American government or whatever Americans to go and investigate the arrival of a particular. There's basically twelve egg-shaped things 
arrive on Earth, I think it's 12, in various places, one of which lands in America. And um, so that all the, all these 12 sort of places where they are are going in researching what the hell this thing is and why it's here. And they're kind, they're kind of communicating with each other, but um, that the communication with each other kind of varies throughout the film without spoiling things too much. Um, but it, it obviously focuses on the American side because, you know, that's the only side anyone gives a fuck about. They're all working out in collaboration to find out why these eggs are here. And probably, they're not really egg-shaped, they're quite long. But whatever, I'm going to call them eggs. <laughs> it essentially, it, it's quite, yeah, it was quite different to what I was expecting. Because Arrival, I thought, oh, it's going to be, there's going to be aliens arriving, there'll be a big battle at some point. And um, yeah, loads of, loads of CGI, it'll be mental. It isn't like that. <laughs> Um, it's, it essentially focuses more on it's really interesting because it focuses on working out their language and trying to communicate with them so they're not as far as it seems at the start anyway and I'm not going to spoil much they don't seem to be aggressive like they just land and seem to kind of stay in their pods and they don't really come out and they're kind of going in there to communicate with them and they have these daily sessions um, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner whatever their characters are called go in there and kind of try and teach them new words and try and learn words from their language and they have a this sort of written form that they're trying to work out and um, compare with ours and turn it into, try and figure out, try and translate what they're saying as well as teaching them <laughs> what we're saying, which is a pretty interesting way of looking at the situation and I found it really, as, a, as someone who is fascinated by, you know, the idea of different languages and how they've developed and how kind of different they are, um, not that I know that many, but I know, I know three, and even they are That's... quite different in the way that they're built up. So, um... it, and the, and like looking at languages like Chinese, which I don't know, but it fascinates me. I've got a child in my class who's Chinese, and it fascinates me. He's able to write these uber complicated symbols, and uh, how how they have different. How they I, I spend hours talking to him about the different meanings and what the different um, things mean in this. And yeah, that that kind of thing fascinates me, and how that kind of builds up. So, I, I was already going to love this film just based on that, but that's essentially kind of the whole film is really about this kind of trying to figure out trying to communicate with these aliens rather than a big war or anything like that and i don't think that's a, a spoiler to say that but there's all there's also as well as that kind of more scientific side of it there's also a side story about um amy adams's daughter which i'm not going to go into because i think it would be talking anything about it would be kind of spoiling it but I think it was well done, but it didn't stir up the kind of emotion in me that it did in the people that I watched it with, in particular. Again, that could be because I'm generally less affected by films, but also I didn't, I, I don't know, just didn't have... I thought it was, like I say, well done, but I think it could have been done better. But it, um, I, I really love this film. It features, to me, one of the things that made it brilliant was the soundtrack, which in particular uses one of my favourite songs, um, Ever, which is Max Richter's On the Meaning of Daylight, a kind of um, classical music piece. Uh, Max Richter's a modern composer, but it is, he does do kind of classical, very um, kind of simplistic music, but it's always, yeah, uh, he's one of my... F he's probably the only composer I've really listened to a lot and thus my favourite, but yeah, I absolutely love him. I think he's great. He's, I believe, a German born but has lived in Britain um, most of the time and his song on the meaning of daylight just is perfect for this film um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it I think the best films kind of leave you with a sort of feeling on leaving the cinema uh, a certain feeling and, and kind of beyond and this definitely did that it left me with a kind of very strange sort of existential funk feeling of like nihilistic what's the point in anything <laughs> kind of feeling but in a strangely good way <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I enjoyed that, and I felt that feeling for a kind of a couple of days afterwards. So it had it had pretty 
big effect on me. I, I thought it was a really great sci-fi, and I like the fact... Well, I really like the fact that it was a more low-key take on aliens arriving than just, you know, like War of the Worlds or whatever, where it's a big battle and everyone has a huge fight. Um, it's more dramatic. It's more focusing on the drama and the, the, the language and the fact that just communicating with someone that you can't, you have no idea about. Um, and I found that bit more interesting than the aliens arriving themselves. And that, that was something I was pleasantly surprised about because I went expecting a sci-fi like, and I love sci-fis, <laughs> but this wasn't. It was more a film about language to me. And but that, yeah was a positive thing for me. I really loved it and I'd totally recommend anyone goes and sees it. And I think Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams are both excellent. I think they're, though they are both attractive human beings, they are believable and it doesn't feel like they've just been cast as, they're both believable in their roles. It doesn't just be believed that they've just cast two attractive people to play roles that they probably wouldn't have, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really, really good. Has anyone else, I know, Al, you've seen this, haven't you? What yeah. did you think of it? <laughs> As ever, I've apparently seen everything. I've bumbled my way through <clears throat> through that. No, I, I, yeah, I largely agree with you. Although, um, I think I'm closer to, um, by the sounds of it, to Cable and Beck in the sense that this did uh, quite have quite a lot of emotional resonance for me. Um, but the film was... It did, or it did? It, no, it definitely did with me. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it did, like, like I say, it did leave me with the kind of existential... That bit... But I didn't, like, um, the people I went to see it with were very affected by a certain event, which I'm not going to explain, but mm. to do with, you know, the side story and stuff. But I that didn't, it didn't have the same effect on me, well, so that see, particular I, bit. But the see, overall atmosphere of it definitely have left me with a very sort of um, existential, you know, feeling mm. about... Well, see, I, think, I would, thinking about your existence for many days to come. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a side story. I, in fact, I, I wouldn't say any yeah. part of this has a side story. I think... Um, I felt that the entire thing was, the entire concept was about kind of. It's hard to describe this without spoiling anything, but um, it is very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, anybody who's read any Kurt Vonnegut, um, there's a lot of you know crossover here in terms of theme, uh, certainly in terms of understanding and time, um, and this film is not like Clive's. Um, I leave it talked about there. It's n- nothing like you'd expect from a standard Alien film. Um, this film is as much about communication and grief as it is about anything else. Um, in fact, while it is sci-fi, this could easily have been a film about, um, you know, an, ab- an Aboriginal tribe meeting yeah, uh, some foreign rangers. Yeah. I don't think it's altogether one hundred percent necessary that it is aliens, although <laughs> certainly more plausible in a certain respect. Um, I thought this is one of the films of the year. Um, I thought it was beautifully pitched, beautifully performed, and um, interesting. And I, I, I didn't see. Uh, there is no twist as such, but I, I didn't see the end of the film coming, um, and I certainly had no expectation um, that was matched by this film. Anyway, um, what else to say with it? I mean, this this is one of the other films that Michael Johnson. Um, Profoundly disagreed on, and again he can have his peace next time with it. Um, what was his main uh, gripe? Just as out he, of interest, he, he really liked it until the final, um, the final third or the final, the final right. act, if you like. He he felt that that was, I don't know. It obviously hadn't connected with him on an emotional level, and he he. Felt well, that, there's like without spoiling it. Well, no, in fact, I'm not even going to mention it. Yeah, probably spoil Let's it. Let's be careful with that. But, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of know what he means, but... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, he, he seemed to feel that that was tacked on, whereas I felt that that was 
certainly, um, you know, resonant throughout. I, th- I thought that the film was consistent in its approach. Yeah. Um, I, I loved no, it. Anyway. I think I agree with you on that. I don't think it was. It didn't feel tacked on, but it yeah. felt. Mate, I, I feel that like kind better. of story without spoiling anything has inherent problems, which I think it still <laughs> felt. But I think it's impossible for that kind of story not to fall into those problems. I, I feel like but. I may, I may be potentially misrepresenting his views here. And while I'm at that, I'd like to say that Michael we'll Johnson, Ma- Michael Johnson, thinks I'm a very handsome and intelligent individual. As a direct quote. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, he he, he can put. As I said, we'll have like maybe a Michael Johnson roundup next time, uh, where yeah, we can talk sure. about <laughs> the Birth of a Nation and Arrival. Um, yeah, I would heavily recommend this. Uh, this would pro- this will probably make my top ten films of the year. In fact, it's cool. It's I think it'll probably make my top ten, top five. We'll see. But it, yeah, it was definitely really, really good. I, I want to. It's one of the films. Every year, there's a film that I watch that I want to watch again. Um, well, two or three that I feel like I want to watch again before I'm get my full opinion of it and this is one of those so I do feel like I need to watch it again mm. but it was yeah brilliantly shot everything I think everything was done really really well it's just yeah that I, I I kind of agree it's not really a side story but the other the other story bit in my opinion could have been done a little bit better but I don't really know how <laughs> mm. and maybe I just need to watch it again maybe there's just certain things I missed and that's why it didn't have as much of an impact on me but certainly highly recommended Everyone should definitely check it out. It's really, really good. D- Dave, did you have? I know, I'm pretty certain you haven't seen this, but uh, did you have any interest in it at all? I, I've not seen it. No, and I, I really do want to watch it, and I will soon. I hope. Yeah, I, I, he's a really, really good film uh, filmmaker. Actually, yeah, Denis Villeneuve. Did he do? What else did he do? He did, um, he did Sicario, which Sicario, is also excellent. And he also yeah. did uh, Prisoners, which. That uh, was very good, and from oh what yeah, I, did he right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Too. And from what I understand, he's done a lot of French language films, um, which are extremely right. highly rated. I haven't seen any of them, but um, he, he was more of an you know, independent artistic filmmaker at the time. But apparently, very good, and I can I can well believe it based on what I've seen. Um, and he he's also due to direct the Blade Runner sequel as well. Ah, is he right? That that makes me a lot more excited or about he, that. He actually. is directing because it comes out in October. Right. Well, you mean next? Well, yeah, obviously. It's yeah, no, yeah, I didn't mean in the past. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting. You know, in the context of this, oh no, I can't say it. It's too much. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, anybody who's seen the film may understand what I'm. It's difficult. Said to sp- there. Yeah, it's difficult to talk about without spoiling. It's one of those, isn't it? Yeah. Go see it. It's really good. Yeah. Does <laughs> That's this, all I'll say about it. Does this uh, sound interesting to you, Jim? Or is, are you a fan? Are you a sci-fi fan at all? I think. You're presuming that I've not seen it, haven't you? Oh, uh, have you seen I'm, it? No, I've not. <laughs> you, you said uh, you hadn't been to the cinema well, in seven weeks. Uh, I just thought it was presumptuous on your part. Maybe, maybe this is the one <laughs> film I have seen. But um, coincidentally, you were right in, in assuming that I've not seen it. I've not. But it, it does sound. It sounds. Um, it sounds. It sounds interesting. I mean, um, I certainly like. Uh, you know. The, the the original alien film um so i do like this 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 genre uh but i'm also keenly aware there's lots of films in this genre which are not so good but uh, yeah i'm intrigued i like the idea of um nihilism in a good way uh quote unquote (laughs) from from clive i don't really know what that what that would be but um yeah just for that reason i'd like to see I'd like to feel nihilism in a good way. So well, I'll, go um, watch it. I'll go and watch it. <laughs> and you'll know what I mean. You probably won't. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just enjoyed that feeling. I enjoy having f- certain atmospheric feelings thrust upon me and then <laughs> me feeling those over days because quite oh, often I'm a very flatline kind of that, guy who feels that a certain sentence, way. That sentence is so ripe for your innuendo. I'm so disciplined in not making any jokes there. <laughs> well, on that innuendo ripe note, we're going to go to UL. Right, okay, um... Yeah, okay, so my second film I'm going to talk about, uh, I know Dave has talked about as well, so I'm not going to go over my entire review. Um, I'll ask Dave to chip in, we'll sort of co-review it as such. Um, it's Nocturnal Animals, uh, released about a month ago, maybe two months, uh, directed by Tom Ford, who has only done one film previously called A Single Man, uh, but he's more famous for being a fashion director. Uh, I believe he works... What does a fashion director do, just like direct... Uh, well, fashion, de- fashion designer, director, whatever. Right. Um, okay. He's got his own brand now, but I believe he worked for some other massive brand before. Um, not particularly <laughs> interested in that side of his work. Stars Stop getting bogged down in the detail, I'll move on. <laughs> Starring uh, Amy Adams once once more, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Michael Shannon, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Laura Linney, and Army Hammer. Who's uh, This is the second time he's been in uh, one of my reviews. He was in Birth of a Nation as well. Uh, the basic plot is fairly complex, actually, although it makes a lot of sense when you're watching it. Uh, Susan, played by Amy Adams, is an extravagantly wealthy art dealer living in a uh, sterile existence with an unfaithful husband called Hutton, played by Amy Hammer. Uh, she receives a manuscript for a dark western thriller written by her ex-husband, Edward, who played by Gyllenhaal. Uh, she left him under emotionally damaging circumstances, and this seems to be his riposte to her. Um, we see a three-part narrative. Uh, one of the narratives is uh, Susan in her life, engrossed and tormented by this manuscript. Um, the second is the manuscript portrayed on screen, uh, with Edward cast in the role of his own main character, his own protagonist. And the third is a flashback into their tumultuous relationship and the breakdown that occurred. It's based on a novel called Tony and Susan by Austin Wright, which I haven't read, so I can't make any comparisons to that. Um... Before I pass off to Dave to ask of any points, I'm going to say right now that I thought this was excellent. This is comfortably my film of the year so far. Um, I thought it was a riveting, emotionally cutting thriller. Um, rarely seen. Managing a multi-stranded narrative um, that manages to repulse, horrify, sadden anger and bring out an intense passion in the viewer, or at least it did in me. Um, I thought this was ambitious. I thought it was successful. I thought um, it it had a as a, it had it, you know it's a lasting scarring effect on me, um, and I was immensely impressed. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen a single man is of the film, but um, this this was immensely impressive to me. Um, Dave, what are your general thoughts? And so you you with me, or are you somewhere in between, or you didn't like it? I really really enjoyed this movie. Um, it I didn't going into it. I wasn't sure what to expect from it. And um, once I made the decision that I was going to go and see it, I made a point of avoiding reviews. So, um, which I'm, I'm kind of glad I did. Um, the it was one of the more thrilling and gripping films I've seen this year, uh, and, in a, and in a long time. It really, um, it it definitely hooked me in. I felt very drawn to. Um, well, I say drawn. I felt very. I I was incredibly interested in what was happening to um, Amy Adams' character. Um, 
the the twin the, the kind of um, the the story within the story part I thought was brilliantly well done. Michael Shannon was superb, um, it, starring in the in the book that you see see um, on screen. Yeah, um, it, it's it's quite hard to describe, isn't it? But it makes perfect sense when you're watching it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was. It's not. Um, it's not confusing. I don't. I don't think when you're watching it, and it no, and not, it's not at all. and it's not. Yeah, it's not trying to trick anyone, but um, it's very well. It's very well done, and um, there were just some some incredibly remarkable shots in the movie that I. Um, that that took my breath away. The the particularly yeah. one I'm thinking of one when she borrows an assist. She looks at an assistant's phone in an art gallery and and drops it on the floor. And that um, the opening scene is uh, I don't know re- repulsive, um, but in a engrossing kind of way. It's it's some of the yeah some of the more remarkable cinema uh, I've yes. I've seen this year, and it's it's definitely. Uh, a film that anyone who says they're a fan of cinema should to definitely seek out. Uh, I don't think you'll be yes. disappointed. Yeah, it's uh, Seamus uh, McGarvey's cinematographer. So, um, ne- don't really know many cinematographers, but he's fantastic. At, um, fantastic at cinematographing. Yeah, it had a lot of uh, a lot of criticism in some respects. Seemed to centre on the fact that it, uh, people said it was style over substance, but. I found that a very unconvincing argument. Um, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but it, as I said, I've already mentioned it, inspired a variety of emotions in me. Um, quite hurtful emotions. Um, I, I took a lot of what happened in the film personally, despite the fact I'm not involved. Yeah. Um, I think perhaps the setting of LA and the fact that the character of Susan lives in this kind of vacuous, wealthy lifestyle is probably one of the main reasons that people seem to find this style of something maybe a bit distracting, but it didn't bother me. Well, I, I definitely noticed that, I mean, the, but the, the style it is so utterly deliberate and a part of her character oh, yeah. and that story that it's, the, the, the style is, is uh, it's, it almost is the substance, you know. It's so it's yeah. such a part of her character. It makes sense, and the yeah. the style of the the book within the film is uh, is utterly different all over again. Um, but make makes is a large part of what makes that story so compelling. It's um, I I can see why people might find her character objectionable and stylistic and superficial and all those kinds of things but if then you if you don't you know if you don't like a film because a character in it isn't a nice person then you've kind of misunderstood large swathes <laughs> of art i think yeah i mean um without giving too much away this the, the story within the story is particularly affecting i think and there's a, there's a scene in it which i'm not going to give any detail about but um a scene of such nasty um, really, really cruel tension um, that had me on the edge of my seat, and as I said, inspired a lot of um, anger in me afterwards. But not anger at the film, just anger at the character. Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think, is unrecognisable. I didn't. I the only reason I knew it was him in the film was that I knew he, he was in it. I, I, you know, he's for anyone who's not aware of who he is, he's Kickass from film Kickass, um, yeah. where he plays a nerdy teenage wannabe and he's 
basically a different person in this film entirely, which is obviously a massive compliment to an actor. Uh, like you said, Michael Shannon is excellent. Um, I mean, he, when is he not? But um, and I, I, well, I thought the the, the performances all around were um, stunning. Amy Adams is a very likable screen presence. I mean, you see her in her arrival, and she is uh, particularly relatable. But in this, like, she's a you know a repulsive kind of shell of a human being. And Jake Gyllenhaal, um, you, you don't see too much of his actual character, Edward, um, but he, he's excellent in. In almost a dual role here, uh, albeit pot, perhaps the protagonist in his own work is himself put into that situation. But um, I would recommend this to everybody. I think it's a superb film. Although if you are if you easily affected and you don't really want to have your blood boiled, um, perhaps not the film for you. But um, yeah, I thought it was superb. Cool. I definitely. This is on the list of of what I wanted to check out. Check out. But um, it's all yeah. I've got no idea what it's about. Still, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, kind of do, but it still sounds kind of confusing. But um, yeah, I really want to go check it out because I've heard so many good things about it. I mean, it, it, I think the only reason that it is confusing is that to explain it is to spoil the film. Yeah, it, it's yeah, when you're yeah, watching the film, the film. It, there's nothing about it that that is confusing it. Like it, at any point, mm. it's not. It's not that. Yeah, that's not the way it's constructed, but. Um, to see it is to understand it, and I think you'll probably uh, you'll probably hear this film mentioned from me again in just a couple of weeks' time. Whenever we do the, um, you you will definitely hear our me top five. Top five time. Right, right now, I think it's number one for me. Um, it's no, no way. It'll <laughs> Spoilers. Fall out. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, up. no way it's going to fall out the top five. Um, it's going to be in there, but I yeah, quite possibly number one. Cool. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm going to speed things up because we're on, uh, yeah, on an hour already. Um, Dave, do you want to give us yours? Because I believe this will be one that we'll probably have all have a lot to say about. Okay. If it's what I think it's going to be. Yeah, I saw. I saw the Star Wars one. And it was all right. There you go. Um, <laughs> don't want to keep you all. Sorry for ruining your day. Um. Sorry, yeah, so I saw the um, the other major spin-off from an incredibly successful fantasy um, franchise, uh, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. This is the film that was completely described in about two lines of dialogue in um, Star Wars A New Hope. It's the tells the story of how the Rebel Alliance managed to get the plans to the Death Star that allow the um, the, the rebels in uh, in Star Wars: New Hope to spoiler alert blow it up. Um, God damn! <laughs> <laughs> the film stars Felicity Jones as Jin Erso, who plays um, the daughter of uh, Mads Mikkelsen's Galen Erso, who is a um, uh, an imperial science officer who is responsible for a large part of the design of the Death Star um, and they are separated at uh, Jin's young age and this film um, tells the story of how her um, she is brought back to um, the Rebel Alliance for this mission um, the film also starts uh, Diego Luna as Cassian Andor who plays the part of a rebel intelligence officer 
uh, Alan Tudyuk as K2SO, um, Donnie Yen, Wen Yang, Ben Mendelssohn as the uh, villain of the piece, Orson Krennic, uh, Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera, and Riz Ahmed as uh, the Imperial cargo off cargo uh, ship pilot. Uh, Riz Ahmed is more famously known as the lead in the brilliant Four Lions movie. The film isn't part, it was, was not designed to be part of the main canon of Star Wars, as in the film that came out last year, which was episode seven, um, is not in the, uh, not sorry, this film that has come out is not part of the same um, storyline as uh, episode 7 which came out last year or as episode 8 that will come out next year but it is set in the same uh, in the same galaxy as uh, as you see at the very very start of the movie and there are cameos and recurring roles from um, from people that appear in the uh, in the rest of the franchise this film is um, it it's definitely it's, it's, it definitely has a very different feel for 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 me than the other movies. That said, it it has it pays great tribute and uses a lot of um, the things that make the Star Wars franchise great, um, including um, kind of witty deadpan one-liners and uh, and um, other stuff that I can't quite <laughs> think of right now. That's a failing in my notes. Um, <laughs> um, good laser noises. Oh, what laser noises! Thanks, the guys. The best. The best. Laser <laughs> Never noises. heard that. Um, <laughs> and so on. Um, but it, it has a. It, it also has a very different feel. It doesn't focus m- too much on the um, the kind of superpower of the Jedi and the and the dark side which the rest of the franchise revolves around but it's much more the story of the rebellion from the bottom up it's more about it kind of as a gra- almost a grassroots movement and the struggle of normal individuals to overcome a uh, a a totalitarian threat which I'm sure is not an allegory that we'll ever have to worry about in our lifetimes surely not surely not <laughs> The film also stars um, Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher, which I thought was two interesting features of the movie, um, <laughs> what with one of them having died in 1994. That said, I, I, was, I had no idea that, um, that Peter Cushing wasn't, a, wasn't an actor that they'd hired to look, that looked like Peter Cushing. Uh, so I I was uh, very pleased with I, I I had no idea that that I thought that which was, one was Peter Cushing because I've he no played Grandma Grandma Tarkin Clive right so, Jesus okay so, so, so you, you were entirely convinced by the the CG not so. knowing that it was intended to be CG. I had no idea that. He, so he, he was, was the CG. rebel, uh, not the rebel, the imperial. He was the guy who uh, wore all black but wasn't Darth Vader on the Death Star. Right, yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I was thinking of. And I did think, uh, this guy reminds me, okay, I did think he looked familiar. Yeah, so. Um, and like, had an, uh, no older, but then I thought, oh, maybe it's just someone they've picked who looks very similar. Well, that's exactly what I thought. I thought that they had cast, <laughs> okay. I thought they had cast someone right. who looked 
very similar to Peter Cushing because I wasn't I knew that it wasn't Peter Cushing I was looking at partly because he's dead but also because he didn't look <laughs> just like Peter Cushing and I and I was I was absolutely fine with it and I, I thought it was very good and I but I had no idea that that was what was intended the the other one I was very disappointed <laughs> with yeah, I agree. I know that one seemed weird to me and didn't that was like me. Weird as balls. Didn't seem to be necessary, but <laughs> I've I found them both pretty weird if I'm honest. Um I found it quite distracting. I think I'd have rather they just had them both have their backs to the camera saying a line, but um no technically impressive, but it felt like uncanny valley. Mm. Have you ever heard that phrase before? You know, where something's yeah, very I know what you very mean. Very, very close to being what it's supposed to be. Well, that's what um, Carrie Fisher's appearance felt like to me, but I hadn't seen the other one yeah. near, uh, close enough to for the other one to have that effect. So I think it was clearly done well. It was just what they did was potentially uh, interesting, not the right yeah. thing to do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I saw this. Yeah. I saw this the first time um, the day before we were recording. Now at the yeah. IMAX screen at the Science Museum in South Kensington. And that has one of the very few uh, uh, film IMAXs left. It's not digital. Um, yeah. So, And I'm going to go and see this again uh, in a couple of days' time, at, uh, not an IMAX, but on a digital screen. So I'll, see, I'll, and I'll pay attention to it next time and more and see what happens. But the, uh, the Carrie Fisher one was... Uh, upset me just as much as the um, the is it the Galaxy advert with um, Audrey Hepburn? Oh, Audrey Hepburn! Yeah, right. yeah that yeah. one, which utterly makes my skin crawl. Anyway, moving on. Cool. What, the, what, sorry. Yeah. What, what did anyone no, else I was going to say? What were you? No, I was, I was going to say I really, I very much enjoyed this movie. That it's cool. it's clearly it's it's different, and I'm pleased that it is. I'm pleased that it focuses on a different part of the universe. Uh, uh, yeah. And it, this this bottom up um, hmm. kind of bottom up movement. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> not what I meant to say. Um, it makes sense, I know and it I think it's it's all the best for, for that. It it has it has a few pitfalls. It it mm-hmm. the the there are some elements of the plot which were a little bit puzzling. Uh, a criminal under use of Forest Whitaker, who had just a, just enough time to shine. Yeah, and that, but no more. And um, a couple of inex- slightly inexplicable crowbarings in of um, uh, director credit for the credit for the sake of having one identifiable bad guy. When I think the all empowering, all you know, over you know, overseeing force that is just a general em- evil empire um, would have done quite quite fine. Um, but I'm glad that I saw this movie, and it, it um, I, I, if I didn't think so after episode seven, I'm convinced that um, now that the Star Wars franchise is out of the bloated hands of megalomaniac George Lucas and safely delivered into um, a film studio that doesn't have a problem with saying that some ideas are shit, <laughs> that we're the Star Wars is back in safe hands. It. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree there. I, I liked the more grassroots feel of it, and I liked that it didn't have the like it didn't have the scrolling text at the start, and it felt, um, which is a move clearly done to make it feel more like like it is a side story and a, a different feel to it. And even the music, like it didn't use the exact used themes, definitely of the original trilogy, but not the exact uh, 
soundtrack that you hear at the start of a film, which I thought helped. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. I was expecting to enjoy it, but I think I enjoyed it probably a little bit more than I did. I do think, um, I pretty much agree with you again, that they think worried too much about tying it in with A New Hope with certain things and trying to put in random cameos of things, which I didn't think they really needed to worry about <laughs> as much as they did. And I think those are the, probably the, the biggest negatives, such as like the, the Carrie Fisher thing and whatever else. But the, yeah, there's a few of those that niggled a little bit. But I, I thought overall it was really, really good, really entertaining. I thought the what's always crucial to me in Star Wars films is that the, the four or five main characters in a team have good chemistry together and um, you're kind of rooting for them. And I think this film definitely had that, and I think that was all the better for the fact that all the characters were new and like you hadn't really heard of them before. So, and, and I still think it worked. I think they had really good chemistry together and that they were all interesting in their own ways. I think some of them were perhaps a little underdeveloped, but you know, there's only so much the film can do. But I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, and I'm glad I went to see it in IMAX, definitely, yesterday. <laughs> Al, did you have any um, added thoughts? <laughs> nothing probably worth hearing but um yeah i um, largely agree um just really 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 entertaining film um one thing i will say to great credit to them uh, no spoilers here but they they have clearly no intention of making a, a new franchise within a franchise and i'm i'm pleased to see a big blockbuster movie that isn't trying to set up the next blockbuster movie it's you know clearly a standalone mm-hmm. story um yeah I, um, refreshing and um, certainly and, I mean, Star Wars has had darkness in the past um, certainly this bears a little bit of comparison with Empire Strikes Back but um, it's nice to see uh, Star Wars having a different tone between the movies like um, certainly The Force Awakens was a lot and for the most part lighter in tone I would say yeah this is quite yeah this is something I should have said yeah it's quite a lot darker isn't it yeah I was, a bit uh, more deaths my- and uh, um, Stormtroopers actually hitting their targets which is nice <laughs> Yeah, they seemed a lot, a lot, uh, a lot more, um, a lot better at their jobs generally. A lot accurate, a lot more accurate. <laughs> yeah, um, I forget what the name of his character is actually, but um, the film, the character played by Donnie Yen, the blind monk, who seems to be, seems to be like a Jedi, but not quite a yeah, Jedi. Yeah, the only real sort of Jedi esque character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, he, uh, he, he was my favorite character. I was uh, very. Very pleased with him. Well, he's called it Chirrut Iwumbi, uh, however you pronounce that. Oh, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, his mantra, uh, the force is with me and I'm one with the force, repeated over and over again. And and he was the kind of character who could easily have been very cheesy and rubbish, but I think it was done really well. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's probably in the performance. um, Yeah, I agree. Which, he's he's a martial arts performer, more famous for Ip, Ip Man, I believe, if I'm getting the right character here. Um, yeah, I, I I really really liked it, um, and it doesn't like I mean I I heard reports that they've done a lot of re- reshoots, and usually yeah when I you heard get a that, film like that it didn't seem like that usually when you get a film like that it's in a lot of trouble, um, but certainly didn't was I couldn't notice anything there anyway, certainly um, when when I went to see Suicide Squad that was a film that had a lot of reshoots and you could tell <laughs> yeah I mean I mean I imagine the original shoot was pretty awful as well but um you could definitely tell that there'd been there was changes in tone all over the place but um felt that wasn't that wasn't evident here anyway um no i i would not heard that and i i'd not heard that that had happened and i certainly didn't i didn't i got no sensation i got no sense of that at all in watching it yeah 
Yeah, heartily wreck. If you like Star Wars, you'll like it. And I think this, nah, it's probably not going to make any new converts, but it's a standalone film in some respect. And I, there's certainly, without no spoilers, but because um, he's in the trailer, but it's nice to see Darth Vader back in the screen. Oh, that's. Uh, oh, here so. we go. Right. Wrong. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's my. Here's where I start. Here's where I disagree with you. I, th- I right. thought that that scene was so poorly crowbarred in. That the film, oh, really? the film would have been better without it. He did. He oh. doesn't. He doesn't need. He didn't. He, the the plot moved not a jot in that entire scene. We saw a kind of contrived attempt for my money. Kind of contrived attempt to make sure that there was a Darth Vader helmet in a trailer somewhere. I, I mean, I mean, if you remember the first kind of teaser trailers for this, it was just Darth Vader's. Breath and things. Oh no, sorry. Am I getting that right? There, there, there were trailers. You know, there's so many teasers that featured uh, the fact mm. we we're going to see Darth Vader in it, and he had absolutely no influence on the story whatsoever. You know that, that this this he he disappeared away. It, you know, he, yeah. It 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 added I, I, nothing. I thought he me. was. Oh, uh, granted, yeah. He was. There was no. <laughs> There was no real coherent reason he was there, but I still enjoyed his presence, particularly uh, the second time he's in. He's on screen. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was just. I think it had enough of a mention. It had just enough of a tie into the rest of the Star Wars franchise with the uh, cameos from the droids. And if you'd have cut out Vader and Leia, I'd have been happier with it as a as as a film. I think. Which is interesting because had someone said before this film was coming out that they weren't going to be in it, I'd have been a bit unsure about what it what it was going to be like. But I think the um, the fact that all these guys that we were watching were are the, are the kind of heart and soul of the rebellion that you that doesn't come across in the rest of the Star Wars franchise. The kind of you know the guys who pilot the X wings that just get blown up all the time that you don't you know you otherwise don't care about. It you, you know it's like the story of the um, of the red shirts almost from Star Trek. It's like it, it, a film about those guys, uh, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> the my favorite characters because you happened to mention yours was definitely K two S O. Uh, Alan Tudyk's oh, yeah. voice work was was absolutely spot on with that uh, with that particular character, and it's it was a um, although it was slightly jarring for me to see that um, the scenes he was in towards the end of the movie when he's behind that desk um, were shot in Canary Wharf tube station, and if you've ever been in canary wharf tube station you you totally see it <laughs> all the all the moment all the all the shots inside scarif were filmed basically almost all the filmed inside canary wharf tube station um and you can uh, you can you can see large parts of that in that movie if you've ever been there which 50,000 people a day do <laughs> yeah uh Shades of Marvin, the sh- shades of Marvin the paranoid android in that character, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Or, 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 or more Marvin the sarcastic robot. But um... if you made C three PO not a prick, well, mm, yeah, or debatably more of a prick, but in a more in a more interesting, endearing in a more, way. Yeah, agreed. And I thought it was really good. I didn't realize it was Tudyk when I was watching it. So mm. but yeah. yeah, I thought it was really good. He was Jimmy. possibly my favourite character, along with the, the blind man. I also like the guy with really long hair. He reminded me of someone from Predator, just carrying <laughs> a massive gun around. <laughs> yeah. 
unleashing machine gun hell. <laughs> Jim, are, are you a Star Wars fan, Jim? I like how you asked me out of politeness there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do like Star Wars. Um, I'm glad that you kind of acknowledged um, the horrors of, of, of George Lucas's more recent Star Wars contributions. Uh, um, so no, I've not, I've not seen Rogue One yet. I was going to see it last night, but I had, I had an issue with uh, a rising damp in my living room, so I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't make Sorry. it. But um, it's all under control. Um, I, 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 I will be seeing it. I was, I was really sure because there were really good reviews, like on the on the Guardian and, and whatnot. And um, when, when, when Clive reassured me that George Lucas had, had literally nothing to do with it, then um, it was kind of. Uh, we're in the all clear here. So no, I, I love Star Wars. You know, the original three, I uh, the, the the first one in particular, I, you know, I kind of hold dear to my heart. Um, but I, I kind of got put off, uh, with, you know, with the Phantom Menace and Jar Jar Binks, and kind of like lost uh, the faith in mankind at that point. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, dark time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I'd like I'd like to I'd like to go and see this new one. It does it, it does sound good. Um, I, I mean, this is w- with no basis, having not seen it. But I, I, I suspect that yeah, trying to crowbar in to use your phrase, kind of uh, characters from the previous movies is a little bit contrived. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the merit is in that, other than because the, the best people can do is go, oh yeah, it's that character we really like. So we, it, I don't know. It, it, a film should stand on its own merit, should it not? Uh, not not on the uh, yeah. on the merits of of the franchise. Um, but yeah, no. It, 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 hey, it sounds pretty good. So I, I'll, I'll way, be there next week. I do think uh, Star Wars Episode Eight should immediately be called Rising Star Wars Episode Eight Rising Damp. That would be a great <laughs> title. <laughs> that, that couldn't be any worse than the Phantom Menace. No. <laughs> Even right. if it is just Darth Vader going on about the damp in his cabin. <laughs> There's nothing funny about rising damp. I just want to say that to your listeners. <laughs> it's a serious issue. It's your funeral. That's all I'll say. Stick around. Presenters are professionals. Do not attempt rising damp at home. <laughs> Absolutely right. And, and on that note, we'll go to uh, Jim's final review before I... I've just got a couple of quick ones because I'm going to speed it along. Jim, do you want to... Take us away with your last one while I go to the toilet. Uh, yeah. Um, well, before you do, Clive, uh, I just want right. to verify that you've not already spoken about um, Louis Theroux's My Scientology movie. Cause well, you have not, have we? No, no, not, sure no we, we haven't, haven't now. You've not spoken no, about so. that? Oh, well, good, I'm in the, in the green. It. Well, um, I, I did go to the cinema recently to watch Louis Theroux's My Scientology movie, and... Um, I, I I feel quite opinionated about this actually for for for, um, for somebody who who really likes Louis Through. I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have already um, seen some of his uh, BBC shows over the years, um, be it Weird Weekends or or his more recent stuff. Um, I I was a little bit a little bit disappointed. Um, I, I, I suppose I had to reflect upon what I was expecting given the subject matter. Um, but the, the film achieved pr- precisely nothing really. I mean, it, it was kind of entertaining, I suppose, because, you know, Louis Theroux's, uh, you know, a, a thoroughly entertaining guy. He's a really nice guy and, and is just really good in front of the camera. But uh, as a documentary, it, it kind of failed uh, miserably, really. Um, I, I suppose it set out to uncover um, 
what um, what life was like for somebody who was committed to the Scientology faith, who was part of the Scientology community. Um, and it didn't really go too far in, in terms of un- uncovering first-hand experience of that um, for, the, for the sole reason that um, they were rejected access to um, anybody who was senior in, in, in the Scientology faith. Um, so all it really had was just kind of second-hand uh, kind of experiences of, of members who'd, who'd kind of become disillusioned and left uh, the Scientology faith. So it's more really about a, a particular individual, without giving too much away, um, who, who was a little bit unhinged and um, quite reactionary, who, who, who uh, didn't really like Scientology much anymore. So whilst it kind of uh, unveiled some of the methods of, uh, of the Scientology faith, to, um, to 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 prevent uh, individuals who'd left from kind of uh, communicating to the outside world about uh, about the faith, uh, it didn't really achieve a lot in terms of a documentary. So yeah, it was it was mildly entertaining, and it was great to see Louis make a make a film. Um, so I went into it with a really positive um, attitude, but came out kind of feeling oh, well, that was kind of kind of didn't really achieve much. So, yeah, a, a little bit disappointed, guys. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much nail on, nail on head agree with you there. Um, it didn't feel like it really did much. There wasn't really that much that happened, was there? It was a film about their failure to make a film. Well, that's what it seemed like <laughs> to me. Um, I mean, Have you seen that? There's a documentary that, I, oh, I believe it's on Netflix, or at least it used to be, called Going Clear. I've heard that's good, but I've not seen it. Yeah. I can I, I can uh, verify that that film is not on Netflix ah, uh, <laughs> with absolute certainty. So sadly, I've not seen that film. I have heard about it, though. Um, from what I gather, it's a lot more revealing than uh, yes. Louis' attempt. It's a lot, lot better. It's uh, it's one of the best documentaries I've seen in years. Uh, this, I mean, Louis through my, uh, my Scientology movie, is um, it's entertaining enough if you're a Louis Theroux fan, but it's... Um, largely pointless, um, which is disappointing. I mean, I, I think he's done some of his best work recently, on at least on television. Um, mm. His episode about um, alcoholics recently was particularly good, I thought. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I'd agree. It's largely disappointing. but And it felt kind of, you know, and, and this is no bad thing in, in, in principle, it was kind of a return to his... In terms of the tone of the documentary uh, and the subject matter, I suppose, but you know, the the tone of the, the tone of the film was a lot more kind of akin to um, his weird weekends days, where he'd be kind of um, um, you know kind of pursuing um, you know wrestling or UFOs or or whatever you know kind of slight, slightly more slightly more comical. Uh, kind of subject matters whereas in recent years he's he's you know in, in interviews he's you know he's said explicitly how much he's tried to distance himself from from those kind of topics and and address things which are you know a lot a lot more serious and and do need discussing like pedophilia or or uh or or, or the state of american jails or whatever um and th- yeah the tone of this film kind of did seem more like a return to his weird weekend days um it was a lot more uh, uh comical in places but yeah 
overall just bit disappointing. just a bit disappointing. I don't want to I don't want to bore you and labour the point, but yeah, <laughs> that's what Beck thought. Beck also went to see this, and she yeah thought the same thing. She's a huge Louis Theroux fan, so I've not seen it. I, I presume you haven't by the fact you're not piping up, but this surprises me that you haven't seen it. Does it? Um, yeah. Well, I've not seen any of Louis Theroux's work ever. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's, that's that can't be true. I've seen very little of it. Like I'm not. Well, go on then. Tell me yeah. what I've seen. <laughs> You've seen all of it. <laughs> I could have sworn you're a big Louis Theroux fan. No, no. Am you're I getting re- that totally wrong? You're very wrong. Yeah. I assume you're getting it pretty wrong because Dave probably knows. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing. I've got nothing against him. Uh, <laughs> I seen. presume I've just never, I've just never seen any of his stuff. Yeah, really maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm linking the two of you in my head. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why. I'm gonna have to work <laughs> that one out. I'll come back to you on it. Maybe it's because I they're mean, both was, the same person, and I, he's not seen any because yeah, he's doing them. I mean, I'm, I'm the godfather to his children. If that's is that what you're thinking <laughs> of. <laughs> yeah, that must be it. That that's must probably be what it, you're yeah. thinking of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, for seven ninety nine a month, you can see everything he's he's ever done uh, on Netflix. Um, I don't work Do for Netflix, but I just Louis like through. to make it all Lou through. But I like to make it very clear that you can watch every episode on Netflix for seven ninety nine a month. For seven ninety nine a month, or if you cheapskate, you could just borrow Cable's account, like I do. There we go. <laughs> Anyway, cool. I'll, I'll move it on to myself. I'm just going to finish on, because we're already on a one hour and a half now, which is our general. This is the point where the listeners get, you know, rowdy and I get emails about, it's too long. Edit it down. So I'll just uh, do it. I'm going to interject, Clive, and say goodbye, because at this point um, I'm going to go and eat some Chinese food. Right, you go and eat the Chinese food. So thanks for having oh, me. That's fine. Yeah, nice Bye, Jim. You, Jim. Bye, Jim. Go and, eat your, go and eat my Chinese food. Thank you. G- goodbye. I'll, I'll See you later. It. Right, um, Jim is leaving. I'm going to talk about two very quick films from 2016 that I recommend people see. I'm going to essentially, these reviews will be me reading the Wikipedia article for a bit of a background and then me giving a very short opinion on it. Um, I'm going to start with Hunt for the Wilder People, which is a 2016 film by Taiki Wahiti. Taiki Wahiti? Um, it's a 2016 New Zealand adventure comedy drama film directed by the guy I've just mentioned. It's apparently the biggest uh, grossing film in New Zealand ever, so that's uh, quite a big, a big thing. Um, it f- stars Sam Neill and Julian Dennison, who's a child actor. Um, he plays Ricky Baker. It's essentially Ricky Baker, played by Dennison, is a juvenile delinquent who was abandoned by his mother and is uh, taken by a child welfare services officer, Paula, and officer Andy to live in a remote farm with foster mother Bella and her husband, Cant, uh, cantankerous is that a, is that an adjective heck yep. does anyone know what that means I have no idea what it means um, heck who's played by Sam Neill of Jurassic Park fame uh, Bella it's not really a spoiler dies right at the start of the film and he's and that's the person that uh, Ricky Baker gets on really well with and so he's left with Sam Neill's character who's a bit more distant um, and ends up having to form this relationship with him. Essentially the film is just about them escaping from authorities who want to get Ricky Baker back because his foster parent is Sam Neill's wife who's now died and not Sam Neill himself so Sam Neill is not allowed to care for him on his own. Um, So they're just trying to escape the fact that he then has to go back into social care. It's hilarious. (laughs) I love this film. I love... um, 
Kiwi humour has always made me laugh and Flight of the Concords is one of my favourite TV shows. This humour is, it's certainly not the same but it's quite similar sort of low deadpan uh, humour delivered in a Kiwi accent which is always a winner for me. Uh, couple that with the ridiculously beautiful countryside in New Zealand, uh, that lots of breathtaking shots of that and just the really good chemistry between Sam Neill and um, Julian Dennison, who, Julian Dennison is excellent, he's hilarious, um, really good child performance. I don't know, I think it's probably like 15, 16, I'm not sure, but really, really good. Um, I would say the first act, or the first half is stronger than the second half, but I found it pretty funny throughout and it had some definitely touching moments as well. I would say it's more a comedy than a kind of commentary on social care and that kind of thing, but <laughs> it does have its touching moments and yeah, it just is hilarious. And there's a particular moment where I just, yeah, was literally in stitches um, <laughs> while Cable and Beck were watching. Um, so, yeah, I would really recommend this film because I don't know how many people have heard of it and I totally recommend going to see it. Um, the second one I want to talk about is one that I know Al has seen, which is, and possibly Dave, I'm not sure if you've seen it, um, I, Daniel Blake, which is a 2016 British-French drama film directed by Ken Loach. Um, it, fil it stars Dave Johns and Hayley Squires and various other people I've not heard of. I've not heard of those two either. Um, and I heard excellent things going into this. And it's essentially about Daniel Blake, who's a joiner living in Newcastle. Uh, the Wikipedia handily tells me that that's a city in northeast England. Uh, a, fact that, a fact that I knew. A uh, Daniel. With a, uh, <laughs> terrible football team. <laughs> He's had a heart attack at work, his recovery is incomplete and his cardiologist is concerned that Daniel's heart might begin to be abnormally, putting him at risk of developing a life-threatening condition, arrhythmia. Um, and basically tells him that he's not ready to go back to work. It's essentially about him trying to claim benefits while he's been signed off as not being allowed to go back to work and how much of a ball ache that is and how he's constantly having uh, people tell him that he can't, he's not eligible to claim for the money even though he does have <laughs> this condition and clearly can't work, um, which is a load of bollocks. Essentially the film highlights the ridiculousness of the English welfare system of particularly Job Centre Plus and the, I found it, it's both funny and incredibly touching and just infuriating. As someone who has dealt with the Job Centre at length in the past, um, the, particularly the opening scene and such of the like sort of busy tone, I'm glad that's not changed since I last used it because of that <laughs> brought back some pretty angry memories and just the way the matter of fact way that they deal with things um, is and just the, the seemingly stupid systems that they have that don't really make a lot of sense just was brought home by this film and although I didn't I, in the, in I wasn't certainly dealing with something as serious as Daniel Blake is in this film in that you know he's got a heart condition and he can't physically work and um, I dealt with a lot of the same sort of crap. Yeah, I just thought it was a really, really good film. I think it's, well, it feels kind of low... It feels... It's a very different tone to the full Monty, but it feels kind of British in the same way and in the same sort of grassrootsy kind of feel to it, which I think worked really well. I think um, the guy who plays Daniel Blake, which I'm assuming is Dave Johns... It is. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was great. Really, really good. Like, really relatable and just like a, a nice bloke who's also has this kind of great kind of sense of humour of dealing with these situations who are which are essentially very crap. Um, but he just has a good heart and he deals with... There's a sort of a woman that he makes good friends with and the way he deals with that is kind of touching. And Although I thought certain... There was a couple of scenes which I felt were a bit 
I don't know if the words contrived, but felt a little bit um, over, like they're trying to tug at your heartstrings or make some sort of point which didn't feel as realistic as the rest of the film. Um, I think overall this was a really, really good film, and I think everyone should see it, particularly if you're uh, in, you know, interested in this kind of how this system works and how stupid it is. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about the ridiculousness of it because, I've, like I say, I've had to deal with stuff like this before where, for example, I've been on minimum wage and then expected to... Beck's been unable to claim any money whatsoever because we are living together, quote, unquote, as if married and thus I'm expected to pay for everything even though I was on minimum wage. But th things like that which don't make a lot of sense while someone can live at home with their parents who could be millionaires and still claim. <laughs> just don't make any sense. And just the way that they, yeah, deal. To be fair, I had, um, I was lucky in that I, the people I dealt with at the job centre were, face to face at least, were pretty personable and quite nice, although I've certainly have had experience of cold people in that sense. Certainly over the phone, that is never, that it just feels like you're talking to, a, you might as well be talking to a machine. But yeah, really good film. You should you should check it out. It's really really good. I recommend everyone watches it. Any opinions, yeah. Al? Oh yeah, um, I quite strong opinions, but we probably don't have time to go over them fully. Right. Um, well, yeah, do I, you want to give a quick? I, yeah, um, don't worry. <laughs> I, I I also loved it. I thought it was a very important piece of work, and it again yeah, very I, I came very close to doing a full review in it. Um, I just edged out by the other two films. Um, sure, sure. I thought it was a very very important piece of work. Um, I don't. I, I think the majority of it is extremely believable, and I believe most of it's based on real life accounts. And there's a particular yeah. scene in a food bank which is gut wrenching um, mm -hmm. and horrible. But um, it's a classic Ken Loach kind of social commentary film. Um, heartily recommend to anybody who's ever moaning about scroungers or you know quote unquote scroungers. Um, yeah, they exist far less than you expect. And this yeah. is a, quite an important film. In I would this, say they so. exist more at the top of the chain than at the bottom, but you know that's my yeah. <laughs> I probably agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's largely my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really good, and a, really, like you say, a really important uh, film. I think so. Definitely go check it out. Whoops! I've dropped my watch and watch. it's broken. Um, <laughs> oh dear! No, was what, it? What, I'm guessing what, it wasn't a Swiss watch. Oh no, no. Well, that'd be no. alright. Will... Just if you pick it up now, it's frozen at the time that you dropped it at. So. Oh no! The hands have all become broken and bent. Oh, what on earth? Crap. How on earth will I know the time? Let me check my Japanese or Chinese watch. Where's Cassio from? One of them. <laughs> One of them. I'm going to go them. to Japan, but I don't. Quite, quite controversial opinion of the day. Um, let me just oh shit it's plug time baby at stickaroundcast on twitter stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com on the emails you can find us on patreon.com slash stickaround if you want to throw money our way to help us pay for the website hosting or just for my beer and you can also find us on instagram on slash I think it's stickaroundpodcast on instagram is, yeah. is that right uh, loads of pictures of mainly Mike Michael looking like a snail which are very entertaining <laughs> but also if, the odd picture of microphones if that tickles your fancy if, if he's happy with it um, you should get a picture of you with our special guest Jim and, uh, um, I will work on that although he's very um, he only a month ago got a phone that wasn't a Nokia something or other that involved black and white screen and could only hold 20 right. texts okay, so we'll, see how, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes but I'll try it he has moved into the future. 
Um, what else have we got? We've also got fa- we're on Facebook slash Stick Around Podcast on that. If you want to give us a like, but mainly just give us five star reviews on iTunes and subscribe. And Tell subscribe, your friends. Yeah. We love that. Tell your friends, get them to subscribe. Let's up this subscriber amount. I know at the minute we're releasing things a bit infrequently because I'm doing stupid amounts of work. But hopefully over the Christmas period I'm going to be able to upload some more things. So we'll see how it goes. And next should be our Christmas special, which we haven't quite decided what we're going to do for yet, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, so am I. Is there anything I missed there, Dave, as my sort of uh, (laughs) safety net on the plug time? Uh, no. I didn't think, I think I covered it all. Cool. Um, thanks for stopping by. And sorry, there's been no film of the month now for two months in a row, but I figure this is a long yeah. enough episode. We'll, maybe for the Christmas special, we'll, we'll unleash that. Nah. And we'll we do it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening. And, uh, it's been, uh, I've been Clive. Goodbye. Al's been Al. I have. And Dave's been See Dave. Ya. Certainly. Bye. And uh, Jim's been Jim. He's eating Chinese. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Stick, Stick around. around. Stick around. Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found. The best podcast in the universe. Animal. It's Stick Around.